Mr. Colombo, are you a boss of the mafia? No, I am not. Is there a mafia? No, there is not. Works notorious Gambino crime family. The Lucchese crime family. The alleged boss of the Bonanno crime family. Colombo crime family. The Genovese crime family is the Ivy League of, of the five families. There's nothing beats being a mafia boss. It's uh, better than being a Hollywood star. You are listening to This Day in the Mob, your only daily mafia history podcast, bringing you the biggest events in the mob from this very day in history. As always, this is your host, John Curran, and today is the 2nd of August, 2022, and we are headed back just a year to the very day to find out what happened on This Day in the Mob. Operated as the legitimate frontman, being hailed by Las Vegas civic leaders as the boy wonder of gaming. Frank Lefty Rosenthal, a former bookmaker and basketball fixer, appeared to the public as Glick's second in command. I serve at Mr. Glick's pleasure. Serve it, and could you describe Mr. Glick's pleasure? You don't have enough time. That's a good answer. We don't have enough time for that. We see you growing more with the uh, with Argent Corporation taking uh, a higher position, possibly. That's a question for Mr. Glick. Mr. Rosenthal's in as high a position as you can have now. In more ways than one, Rosenthal reported not to Glick, but directly to the Chicago mob bosses who were Glick's silent partners. Author Nikos Pelleggi's classic book Casino and Marty Scorsese's subsequent movie of the same name quickly went down as one of the best mob movies of all time. This is a true story of the Mafia's influence and involvement in the casino gaming industry in Nevada. The star-studded cast and gripping plot dominated the screen. Actress Sharon Stone played Ginger, portraying the Vegas party girl Jerry McGee. Her husband in the film, Sam Ace Rothstein, was played by Robert De Niro, who in real life was Lefty Rosenthal, the opulent dresser who ran the casino for the Chicago outfit. Joe Pesci played Nicky Santora, the character based on the homicidal maniac, Chicago and Las Vegas mobster, Tony Spilotro. It also starred Don Rickles, Frank Vincent, James Woods, and so many more. One of the small but key characters in the film was that of Philip Green. Green was a real estate developer and on paper a squeaky clean businessman being used as the mob's frontman for their Las Vegas skimming operation. But that man, in real life, passed away on this day, August 2nd, 2021, just a year ago. His name was Alan Glick, a Vietnam War vet, real estate developer tycoon, and owner, at least on paper, of four Las Vegas casinos secretly controlled by the Mafia. The 79-year-old Glick finally succumbed to a long battle with cancer at his home in San Diego. Alan Glick was originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and would go on to study law at THE Ohio State University, eventually getting his law license in 1967. However, he wouldn't get the chance to use it right away as he joined the United States Army, eventually reaching the rank of Captain of Special Operations. 
the young and highly educated Pittsburgh native would bring home a bronze star and numerous medals and commendations for his heroic acts in search and rescue missions in the Vietnam War. After leaving the army, a highly decorated hero, Glick headed west to California to begin working for the Saratoga Real Estate Development Corporation. But not long after arriving in California, Glick saw the boom times that were happening in Las Vegas, Nevada. The well-educated and highly ambitious Alan Glick decided to invest using his newly formed Argent Corporation. The name Argent was formed by taking Glick's initials and combining them with the word enterprise. Glick would take a $2.3 million loan from his real estate employer, and he bought himself the controlling interest of the Hacienda Hotel and Casino and never looked back. Glick's mind was soon opened to a whole new world of expansion possibilities as well as unforeseen danger when he was introduced to Jimmy Hoffa's Teamster Union Asset Manager. The controller of one of the Teamster pension funds, which was one of the largest in the country, met with Alan Glick and a Meyer Lansky associate by the name of Ed Bucheri to discuss the purchasing of a hotel casino in Lake Tahoe. And although those plans fell through, Glick now had the contacts and relationships with the type of people who could help him fund and expand his casino interests. He also got his first taste of the outside criminal influence involved in the Las Vegas casino industry. Oddly enough, Alan Glick went to college with Joseph Balistrieri, the son of the most powerful mob boss in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and one of the most powerful dons in the entire Midwest, Frank Balistrieri. Through his connection with Joe Balistrieri, Alan Glick met with his father, Frank, and they worked out a sweetheart deal. Alan Glick was allowed to take control of the Stardust and Fremont casinos, and Frank's sons were allowed to invest in the Argent Corporation for only $25,000. Now, having a solid working relationship with the mob boss Balistrieri, he was introduced to the Kansas City Mafia Don, Nick Savella. And through them, Glick met with the Chicago and Cleveland mob bosses, and their influence was able to grant him a massive $62 million loan from the Teamsters Pension Fund in order to purchase the Stardust and Fremont hotels and casinos. After another $2 million loan from a California businesswoman named Tamara Rand, Glick bought a fourth hotel and casino called the Marina. This made Glick the second largest casino mogul in Nevada other than the billionaire recluse Howard Hughes. He'd even received the Las Vegas Man of the Year Award for his supposedly squeaky clean development in the city. At a press conference, Glick announced that Lefty Rosenthal would be his executive consultant for his casinos. Frank Lefty Rosenthal, who was the character Sam Ace Rothstein in the movie Casino, was a plant by the Chicago and Midwest Mafia families to oversee their interests in the casinos. The mob's new man in town wasted little time telling Alan Glick who was really in charge of his casinos. Lefty told Glick, If you interfere with any of the casino operations, 
or try to undermine anything I want to do here, I represent to you that you will never leave this corporation alive. Lefty was an opulent dresser, a stout disciplinarian, and one hell of a handicapper, and he ran the four casinos for the mob and Glick with an iron fist. Rosenthal's main job was to protect the illegal cash scam for the mafia, but he excelled at turning all four casinos into profitable destinations for tourists. He had the foresight to see that sports gamblers like himself wanted the sports books to be in the casinos in which they stayed. So he and Alan Glick were responsible for putting the very first sports book in a casino when they put the sports book in their Stardust Hotel. Rosenthal and Glick were also the first ones to hire female dealers in their casinos, knowing the men visiting their tables would want to stare and chat with beautiful women rather than some crusty old dealer. Finally, they were both responsible for bringing the upcoming Tiger Act, Siegfried and Roy, to stardom by hiring them to play in their casinos. But just as things were going extremely well for the Argent Company and their owner, a person from Glick's past would come back to haunt him. Former business partner and casino investor Tamara Rand was now suing Glick and his Argent Corporation for her rightful 5% ownership stake in the casinos. Glick of course refused and Rand in court won the right to view the files and records of the company, including that massive Teamsters pension loan he received. Rand would testify in court that Glick was living like royalty, using the company plane for personal use and surrounding himself with opulent toys. The mob couldn't have an outsider looking into their books and discovering their illegal interest in the company and casinos. So in 1975, Tamara Rand was shot five times at close range with a 22 caliber pistol in her own home, where her husband later discovered her deceased body. Allegedly, Frank Balistrieri, the Milwaukee mob boss, ordered California hitman Frank Bopensiero to carry out the hit of the nosy businesswoman. Upon hearing of the death of his former business partner, Glick seemed to be genuinely shocked and had no comment for the media. Things went from bad to worse for Glick, who was subject of an investigation into the illegal skimming operation at his casinos in 1976. The FBI had uncovered the cash skimming operation involving the Chicago outfit in the Midwest Mafia families. Like in the movie Casino, the feds really did accidentally stumble upon the skimming operation. They were listening in on a bug on Kansas City Mafia underboss Carl DeLuna's conversations at his Villa Capri Pizzeria and Restaurant regarding another case when the Gabby gangsters started talking about the Las Vegas skim. Now, Alan Glick, a businessman and not a gangster, made the businessman-like move. He fired Lefty the Mafia's man and his company, and cooperated with the federal government in a feeble attempt to save his own skin and his company and casinos. At the time, Glick still owed the Teamsters Pension Fund over $90 million from not only the initial loan, but from other improvement loans as well. 
He told the feds that Kansas City Mafia boss Nick Savella threatened to kill Glick's sons if he didn't sell the Argent Company. The American Mafia does not go after families and supposedly doesn't kill women or children. We can see that the mob so badly wanted to keep their biggest racket going that they would resort to breaking their own rules by killing a woman, Tamara Rand, and threatening Glick's innocent children. The feds then sent over 50 agents with 83 search warrants and subpoenas to perform simultaneous raids at the casinos and Argent offices to gather records. Glick would go on to testify against the Mafia, but maintained that he had zero idea they were skimming from his casinos. And, whether you believe him or not, the feds did not charge him with any criminal wrongdoing. Chicago boss Joe Doves Ayupa and his men, Joseph the Clown Lombardo, Angelo LaPietro, and John Cerrone were all convicted in court on various charges stemming from the Las Vegas skimming operation. Cleveland boss Milton J. Rockman was also convicted. Pleading guilty and avoiding a public trial were Frank Balistrieri, conduit between Glick and the Teamsters, Carl DeLuna of Kansas City, and a number of other mafia figures. Alan Glick sold his shares in the Argent Company and his four casinos in 1980 and fled back home to San Diego in constant fear for his and his family's safety. When the writer of his story, Nicholas Pledgey, flew out to San Diego to meet with Glick, he claimed that Glick was an intelligent but extremely cautious man and had a security detail around him and his family the entire time. Nicholas Pelleggi believes Glick didn't know of the skim, and if he did, he claims the feds certainly would have prosecuted him. Apparently, Pelleggi, one of the greatest mafia writers of all time, isn't aware of the types of no prosecution and immunity deals the feds have given criminals far, far worse than Alan Glick for testifying against the mafia. Glick knew the score. He knew the type of people he was in bed with. He met with mafia bosses from four different states. He met with Meyer Lansky's money man. He was directly threatened by Frank Lefty Rosenthal, the mob-connected casino consigliere. So, to say that Alan Glick didn't know that the criminal element he welcomed into his company, hell, the criminal element that funded his company, wasn't skimming from his casinos, to me, is laughable. But again, the businessman made the businessman-like move. He testified against the mafia and kept himself out of prison, on the streets, and retired a wealthy man until his death on this day, August 2nd, 2021. I'm John Curran. Thank you for listening. As always, please subscribe to and review our show to help us grow. Follow us on all social media at This Day in the Mob to see pictures of all of our subjects. But most importantly, tune in tomorrow, August 3rd, to find out what happened on that day in the mob.